What's up, guys? It's the Blue Bloods, and we're back with a very special episode. Yes, we have video this time. Yes, we have a special special guest. Brandon's traveling from the holidays, but we have Clemson play-by-play. Don Munson back with us to talk all things Clemson football, talk the big game this weekend against Ohio State. So thanks for joining us, Don. Absolutely. Glad to have you or glad to be on with you. Appreciate you having me. For sure, for sure. Well, we had you this time coming in right after a win this time. We had you last time right after Clemson and LSU last year. But as many experts predicted, I'm sure you predicted, I know me and Brandon did, Clemson wins the ACC. They get back in the college football playoff. Can you speak on kind of what's the difference between this team, last year's team, and some of these national championship teams that we've seen these past few years come, come out of Clemson? Well, I, you know, I guess, you know, the major difference between this year's team and and last year's team is probably just experience because we had so many guys that did come back and were part of this. Obviously, you get Travis Etienne back, which a lot of people, okay, after this, is he going to come back? Is he going to go? And he had a decision to make and he decided to obviously stay with the program. So that was kind of a huge recruiting deal there by Coach Sweeney. But he always seems to have that guy or that group of guys that for whatever reason he could talk back into staying here on uh, the Clemson campus. So that would be one of them. Obviously, they the uh, another year of maturation for for Trevor Lawrence, uh, you know, and what he has been able to do at, at quarterback. Missed a couple of games because he was out with with COVID protocol. It affected this team. Uh, we've had some other injuries, obviously, that have that have cropped up throughout the year, primarily on the defensive side and particularly at wide receiver. Though we've uh, we've been playing without really our three main weapons at at wide receiver. Right. Uh, you know, Justin Ross has been out, Frank Ladson, Joseph Ngata. Those were the three guys coming out of spring ball that we were totally, okay, those are going to be the go-to guys. And it turns out that uh, a couple of veterans in Omari Rogers and, and also Cornell Powell have really stepped up for the receiving core so far this year. Right. And, you know, I think we talked about Travis Etienne coming back is just I, – I think I was even shocked about that, Brandon, everybody – but, I mean, even people like – I don't know if you want to talk about him some. Braden Galloway, for me, has popped off on screen. He doesn't get as much play time as, say, someone like Amari Rogers. but I feel like he didn't have the hype coming in that someone like Amari did. Can you speak to how – Clemson always seems to find these diamonds in the rough, and when they get on campus, Dabo Sweeney and the staff develops them to probably better than just about any program in the country. Well, Galloway was a guy, if you go back and remember last year, he was suspended for the entire year except for the the two games that he was able to get into uh, in the playoff situation. So he was able to to play in those, made an impact uh, in both of those games. So uh, he came back, and I thought I had a, I wouldn't call it an outstanding year, but he really had a solid campaign. He's a threat, certainly, at tight end for uh, Clemson. Davis Allen, though, the the other youngster at tight end, though, that's a, been a really good one-two punch uh, for Clemson at the tight end spot. But but Galloway is one of those guys, and, you know, I think that what happens is that we get caught up too much, fan base, media, all of that, into all right, a kid is a four-star or five-star, whatever, coming out of high school. You expect them to step on a college campus and make an immediate impact. Well, that's right. kind of like saying that you expect an 18-year-old kid to come out of college and step into the professional ranks and make an immediate impact. Well, it right. just doesn't happen. And so, you know, uh, that's one of the things that Coach Sweeney has been really, really good at is, is finding those guys that they can develop, give them two years, three years in the program, and then turn them loose. And Clemson's had – you're right, Clemson's had their fair share of those. And, it, and that's part of what this – if you ask Coach Sweeney what this program is all about, he will tell you we are a developmental program. We're not a program that's going to be full of 
one and dones or any of that kind of stuff. Or we want guys to come in here and develop and develop fully as a complete person, as a whole man, get their degree. And Clemson has been very, very good at doing that. Right. And, you know, I think the big difference this year, too, is, you know, we saw Clemson suffer that one loss in South Bend. And I feel like a lot of experts I know on the podcast, I was very vocal is not not as much as Brandon, but I just I didn't put a lot of weight into it. I was like, when you have a player like Trevor Lawrence out when Mike Jones Jr. is out and I, I believe Tyler Davis was also out of that game, you had so many big pieces missing how much weight did you put into that and did you see the ACC championship playing out like it did where when Clemson's fully healthy it's going to be real hard to beat that team at full strength well and James Skowski was another part of that piece of uh, on the defensive side that was out for Clemson here's here was the greatest stat I thought going into the Notre Dame game for the ACC championship and this I give credit to the folks at ESPN they they were the ones that were able to find this when James Skowski and Tyler Davis are on the field together for Clemson defensively. They give up an average of 1.2 yards per rush. All right. That's outstanding. (laughs) Without them on the field, 5.2 yards per rush. So, you know, that's, I think that is enough said right there. When you're giving up four more yards per rush without two guys on the field, I mean, it goes to show you, they mean everything. And both of them played extraordinarily well against Notre Dame the second time around. Oh, yeah. And, you know, we just talked about developmental pieces. Tyler Davis was probably the least talked about piece on the D-line coming in last year for Clemson and was arguably the best defensive lineman on the team last year and this year, even with people like Brian uh, – with all those – was it Miles Murphy coming in as a true freshman? He's been outstanding. I mean, he he played big time, especially against Wake Forest and stuff like that. But I want to get to some comments from Dabo, especially in the news recently about Ohio State and them not being in the playoffs. I was vocal on the podcast. I thought Texas A&M and Cincinnati should have been in over Ohio State because of the number of games. We have disagreements on that. But what is your take on Ohio State? And are you on Dabo's side here that – Yes, they shouldn't get in. I mean, I get the number 11 rank. That's pretty – that's tough to rank them outside the top 10. But do you think they should have gotten the playoffs as well? Well, let's start with the part two of that question first and why he ranked them 11th, all right? So he had been saying all year long that he felt like, all right, you need to play games to be eligible for the playoffs. And so what he did right. in his mind was, that, all right, if you have played nine or more games – then I'm going to say that qualifies you for his top 10 of the poll. No, notice he didn't say for his top 25, but for his top right. 10. So he took those teams that had played nine or more games and, and ranked them one to 10. And then obviously he, all right, Ohio state was the best of the rest. You know, they played six games. And uh, so what I find interesting though, is that not a lot of people are talking about, well, what about those, what about those coaches that ranked Ohio state in their polls ahead of Clemson? You know, and what about those coaches that that didn't have Ohio State in their top four and outside uh, their top four? Now, whether you believe Ohio State should be in the playoffs or not, that's not for you or I to decide. That's for the committee to decide. And so, you know, they it, it kind of is what it is. Do I think that they maybe got a little bit of a pass because of who they are and what they are as as a team and the talent that they have on the team? Probably so. I would tell you that. I would almost guarantee you that if Clemson had only played six games and had gone six and zero oh this season in 2020, that probably they would have been in the college football playoffs. Uh, right. So, but you know, it, it, this is just, it is what it is. It's a miracle. I mean, it's just, it's a miracle. We got a college football season in here 
in 2020. Yes. I think you owe a lot of that credit to Trevor Lawrence and the guys that got together on the telephone call and started that hashtag, we want to play movement back in August. Cause I don't know without those 22 or 23 guys on that telephone call, I don't know that we play college football in 2020. I don't think so. And I've been vocal on the podcast. I think the ACC, Big 12, and SEC should get loads of credit for getting the season in because they kind of were the three conferences that said, okay, we're going to stick through this and we're going to play nine, 10, 11 games. And I, they all did it. I think the SEC and ACC only canceled, I think, less than 10 games apiece that weren't that weren't played. So outstanding job by them. But some other comments from Dabo that we talked about on the podcast was about Trevor Lawrence and the Heisman Trophy. The Heisman finalists were out. We have Devontae Smith, Trevor Lawrence, Kyle Trask, and Mac Jones from Alabama. Do you think he deserves the Heisman? And if so, why? Well, and here's again, let's get down to the Heisman criteria. What is, do I don't know that people really read the Heisman criteria because it's the right. best player on and off the field. All right. So there's two parts to this. There's not just one part to this. We've already, I, you know, just with what we just talked about. I don't know without Trevor Lawrence that we have Mac Jones wasn't involved in that. Uh, right. Devontae Smith wasn't involved in that. Justin Fields, yes, uh, he was in, involved in that. But, you know, so that's uh, that's one point right there that that separates him, I think, from the others. And I think if I were just to ask, if I were just to ask you, who's the best player in college football? It's no question, Trevor Lawrence. And it's by yeah. leaps and bounds, in my opinion. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what my opinion is as well. Now, do I think he's going to win? No, I don't think he is. He's going to win. But, you know, and it's, and it's kind of a shame from, but you know, he's not worried about it. None of us should be worried about it. It's, this is, he's not, it's not a me thing with him. It's a we thing uh, with him. And so he really wants to see his team succeed. Let's, let's take care of, see if they can take care of Ohio state and let's make a move to Miami. Whoever is waiting there, see if they can get beyond them. I will tell you this. All right. So say Trevor beats Ohio state and then Alabama or Notre Dame, but say Alabama is sitting there waiting on him. Say he beats Alabama. All right. So all of a sudden he will have beaten Notre Dame, Ohio state, Alabama. He'll finish his career at 36 and one as a starter at quarterback. Now, what are you thinking about him? Is he the best ever to play? I mean, it'll be the best record ever as a college, uh, you know, power five quarterback ever right so now now what do you think about him as a heisman (laughs) trophy winner that's that's why the the heisman trophy voting needs to be delayed as well it it needs Mm -hmm. till all games are finished they need to stop with with the window of it being all right you can start voting you know it's such no they need to stop all that you get with technology the way that it is today you get two or three days to vote and it happens after all games are finished and complete I, I love that idea because I think voting opens up at a ridiculous pace. even before the last week of the season. Right. So someone has a good game in week nine. Does that, how does that wait more than having a big game in the playoff game? And I think you're right. If we would have waited Trevor Lawrence, the way Clemson's playing right now, I think that we have a different story. And if Trevor doesn't, you know, come down with, with the COVID virus, we could be having a whole different take because if he plays Boston College, who at that point in time was playing very good football, Boston College was a team I think was overlooked. And then you get Notre Dame on the road, which personally I picked Clemson in that game, even with Trevor out. I think Trevor being there is a whole different story. I think we could be having a different conversation. I think those two games really, really hurt his resume for this year, at least. All right. I agree with you 
wholeheartedly is, but uh, it, it is what it is. And welcome yep. to 2020. Thank goodness we're almost to 2021. <laughs> you are not lying. And, you know, I want to bring up, we, we actually talked about this on the podcast. It was your tweet about Travis Etienne and comparing him to Herschel Walker, Bo Jackson, and these legendary running backs like Reggie Bush. I was on your side. I was like, this is a good thing. I think Travis Etienne is the most, this, the most well-rounded running back in college football. He can catch, he can kick return, punt return, he can run. Would you would you put Travis Etienne as arguably a top two or three running back in college football history, or are you just saying he has the potential to be there? I think he has the potential to be there. Uh, I mean, I think if if you go back and you really, I mean, if you're a student of the game and and you have to understand, you know, that the game goes back before the start of the four letter network. Uh, right. You know that it goes, it goes. I mean, like Jim Brown was ridiculous ridiculously good at Syracuse and he wasn't just he wasn't just good in football but also as a lacrosse player then Ernie Davis who followed right behind him may have been better than Jim Brown in both of those sports all right and unfortunately you know the leukemia uh, got him and, right. and, and and stopped his pro career so we'll never really know what he would have developed into but you know a guy like Earl Campbell uh, for instance that I grew up with in in my ilk I'm I'm 58 we 59 and in February. So, you know, sixties, seventies football as a young, as a kid growing up for me were, were just about everything. I mean, there were just, there were some great, great running backs. Tony Dorsett, man, if you never saw Tony Dorsett, if you never seen any of his college tape, you need to go back on YouTube and pull up some of the highlights of Tony Dorsett. I mean, cause it was ridiculously good. So where he is and where he is moving to, as far as ETN, I would, even though I'm, I, you know, I've said that, that Trevor Lawrence is the best player in college football. I've also been, I've had said several times this year that Travis Etienne is the best player on this football team. And as I sit here and talk with you, you know, I can make an argument for that. I could absolutely right. make an argument that Travis Etienne is the best player on this Clemson football team. And to think that both he and Lawrence have been <laughs> side by side now for three years, it's incredible. Right. Um, so, you know, about Travis Etienne, I, I feel like this year there's just been all these extenuated circumstances, no spring practice, no really not, not even a lot of fall practice. And, you know, statistically, it hasn't been his best year this year. Is there a chance Davo Sweeney convinces him to come back? I mean, we saw Demarcus Bowman, the backup running back five star, he transferred out. Do you think Travis Etienne could be one of these guys where it's like, how did he stay four years at Clemson when this kid could have been a first round pick probably even last year? No, he's he's going. He's he he's okay. going to sit back. He's he's going to be in all likelihood he'll be the first running back that'll be taken in the in the draft uh, this this coming spring. And so he needs to go. I mean, he he's right. to that point. I think just from taking care of his family, he's done. He's graduated from here uh, at Clemson. I think that he's done everything that he that he possibly can. And to see the way that he's developed from the time that he made that opening splash as a freshman on that long touchdown run at Louisville to where he is now being the complete player as receiving wise, carrying wise, blocking wise, which, you know, fans don't ever want to talk about right. that, that aspect of it, but uh, he's, he's the complete back and he will be a, whoever he goes to uh, on the next level, believe me, they're going to appreciate Travis Etienne. The, the great thing is that Etienne again, and Sweeney has, has managed his touches throughout the season. He is extraordinarily fresh as he enters the playoffs. Yeah, he's, he seems to be very healthy, too. He doesn't – I mean, I, I I don't think he's had – you know, he doesn't get hurt as much as we see some running backs, and he's not beat down like you see some running backs like Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin came out after two years with almost 800 carries. Right. And he yeah. does not have that 
he doesn't have that wear and tear. So let's get to this upcoming game this weekend. It's it's a huge game. I'm so excited for this game. I think Notre Dame Bama is in the 2:30 slot. This one's in prime time. I'm pumped for it. What are some position battles, some areas that you're going to be watching and focusing on this upcoming weekend in New Orleans? Well, the first one, again, won't be very sexy. The, what I'll be focusing in on is the interior portion of both offensive lines, center, two guards. Uh, those both those group of three on both sides need to play well and need to play better because right. both teams really do want to establish some type of run. And now both teams are going to creep up in the box and they're going to try to take away the run. Uh, but you've got to be able to run the football in some way, shape, or form which then also on the flip side of that means that your defensive ends can't get caught going too far upfield. I think that's what happened the first time around that Clemson's defensive ends against Notre Dame that first game around, they got too far up and allowed Book to run the football and allowed him to make open spaces and get into and extend plays and make things either happen with his arm or with his feet. Well, if Clemson's defensive ends do that against Justin Fields, then they're going to pay the price for that because he'll take off and run 20-25 lickety split and uh, even though he hadn't thrown the ball as well believe me he'll find targets downfield and be able to hit those guys uh, downfield so those are those are the areas that and and that that same is also true for Ohio State because if their ends now get too far upfield and they allow Lawrence to step up in the pocket or step to his left or his right and find a little bit lane you know that he can take off and run with the football but but he's even more dangerous with his arm Uh, so Those those areas right there are are things that, you know, are probably not popular things, areas to watch. But those to me, I think, will kind of be deciding factors in this game. Right. And um, so going into this game, uh, Ohio State's strength of their defense tends to be their their front four. Really, they have a lot of experience on the D-line, but that back end has been picked apart by we saw Indiana. Michael Penix threw for almost 500 yards against them. Do you think? Uh, Clemson focuses on the passing game because I mean they are explosive at times those those deep routes I, I don't think anyone in the country throws a better deep ball than Trevor Lawrence do you expect to see them lean more on Trevor Lawrence's arm than maybe even Etienne's legs in this game well Clemson's going to take with whatever Ohio State defensively will give them so I, I think it both you and I can agree and just about everybody uh, that's watching this will will agree that Ohio State's not going to let number nine beat them all right they're not they're not going to let Etienne run the football. So they're going to, they're going to do everything they can to, to force Clemson to throw the football. So, but it's a little bit like choosing your poison and same thing, right. same thing defensively for Clemson It's choose your poison with what you want Ohio state to do. Ohio state wants to run the football, but you know, with those wide receivers uh, and that quarterback that they can absolutely light you up uh, through, through the air. If, if that's the way that you're going to make them beat you. So, you know, both of this, both of these teams come down to, this, they both want to do the same things offensively. They both want to do the same things defensively to you. So it's going to be who can make better plays, who can make more plays. And it's right. really funny because you look at, at both offensive both offensive units and both offensive units are kind of dotted with first and second round draft picks aplenty on both mm-hmm. sides. And so um, it'll be an interesting matchup for sure. Yeah, and, you know, everyone's talking about the revenge factor for Ohio State. And I want to get your opinion on this. What is the message kind of around Clemson's team? Because I feel like it's more of a revenge game for them in a way because everyone's putting their win last year on the refs and bad calls and missed opportunities for Ohio State. Is there any noise within the program of 
let's prove that we are the better team here and that last year wasn't a fluke, more so than Ohio State's revenge game. Well, you know, I'm not inside Ohio State's building, but I can tell you this from, I mean, going back to the spring, even in their building, it was Clemson. You know, the, the focus was Clemson off clocks, the countdown. It was all, it was about Clemson, Clemson, Clemson. Here at Clemson, it's been about Clemson. So it's right. it's really funny to see how both teams are are approaching this because I I think it is a revenge tour for Ohio State. I don't, I don't think that they can hide that. I think that that's definitely, but for, for Clemson, it's, you know what? We're focusing on ourselves. And it's that old John Wooden philosophy from back in the days at UCLA when he won 10 championships in 12 years is that, you know, Wooden used to always say, I'm not worried about the other guys. I'm worried about my guys and how we play and how we execute and go out and take care of business. And so that's, that's kind of the way that I, that I have seen it around here at Clemson is that, and I was at practice today, it's, you know, they're, they're worried about themselves. The old uh, John McKay, great line when he was a, a coach at Tampa uh, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And the, after a bad defeat, the writer asked him, coach, how do you feel about the execution of your team? <laughs> and he said, I'm in favor of it. You know, yeah. so um, yeah, that's, that'll be, I think, around here. If Clemson doesn't execute very well, I think Coach Sweeney would be very, very disappointed. Right. And so, like, one last question before I get your final thoughts on the game. We saw Auburn, you know. You know I went to Auburn. I was really hoping we get Venables. We did not. I'm okay with Harson. And we saw Tony Elliott. He's been a candidate for multiple jobs. Venables will probably be a candidate for every single Power 5 job opening until he eventually takes one. What can you speak toward about them being so committed to the program? Because you never see it at Bama every single year. The offense and defensive coordinator leaves. Florida, LSU, you see that year in and year out. How does Davos – is how, how does Clemson keep that family environment so strong and – why do, why do people like Tony Elliott and Brent Venables who get offered the top jobs in the country decide to stay at Clemson? Well, I, I mean, it is. Clemson family here is very, very real. I mean, it is. It, recruits will tell you that. Graduates will tell you that. Staff members will tell you that. I will tell you that because I have experience. Clemson family here is very real. And it would be, I'm just telling you, it would be very difficult for Brent Venables or for Tony Elliott to walk into their household, to be to look at their wives and children and say, we're pulling roots and we're headed off to, to something else. You know, Julie right. Venables, Brent's wife, loves it here. The two girls, which you never hear anything about. So he has two young daughters that are younger than the two boys who obviously are playing football uh, right, right now. But the two, those three women, they love Clemson. I'm just telling you, I don't know if you're married or not, but I'm married <laughs> 36 years. All right. My wife loves it here. And she has often told me that, uh, yeah, you know what, if you move, you can come back and visit uh, your daughter <laughs> and me anytime that you want. Okay. So I just, and the same holds for, for, um, for Tony, his wife, Tamika and the two boys, uh, two young boys, as a matter of fact, I think they're like, uh, I want to say four and six right now. It would just be very difficult for them to, for them to go into that household and look at their wives in the eyes and, and say, we're, we're pulling up roots and we're going the time will come i mean it is going to come it and it will it, it'll come when it when it happens but um I, and they're both paid very well and, and right. that kind of stuff so they're, and they're not going to take just any job it's not going to be right not going to be just any job they're going to they're going to take the one that they feel like really does fit them 
and feel like that the people behind them are are going to help them out once once they get there. Right. And I thought Tony Elliott's statement was I have never seen someone deny a job more strongly and more passionately than Tony Elliott denied any rumors with Auburn. He was, he said it was unfair to the players, unfair to the recruits, unfair to the coaches. I mean, he, I've ne- like, if I'm a recruit and I see that Clemson's immediately top of my list anywhere, but last question he here. have an agent. Yeah. Tony right. doesn't have an agent. All right. So I don't, I don't know where it started uh, and how it came out, but you know, somebody I think just kind of, threw it out there and just see if it stuck to the wall and uh, it flew all over Tony Elliott. That was for sure. Yeah, it, it did. I was, I was impressed with how he handled it. But last question here is, do you think Clemson escapes new Orleans and gets to Miami for the national championship this weekend? Uh, you know, I would certainly hope so. I don't think there's no guarantee uh, to that. Right. You've got to go down there and you've, you've got to earn it. You, and guess what? You don't have to win by 24. You just have to win by a point. All right. So right. this is right now is just survive in advance. One of the great things that uh, my fortunate, you know, having been in the playoffs every year since 2015, obviously you won a couple. We've, we've lost, you know, we've lost more than we've won uh, once we've right. gotten into, into the playoffs. But, um, you know, you just got to take it. It's, it really is. It's once you get to this point, every play matters. Little details really, really matter. And if you're fortunate enough to have a shot once you get to Miami, then once you get to Miami, that's, I think, when you can really start dreaming about, all right, let's – because the opportunities don't come all the time. I mean, they just don't come all the time. So go down there and make the most of your opportunity. But you got to earn your way there, and it will be very, very difficult uh, for, for Clemson to get by this uh, motivated Ohio State team, I guess, yes. is the way they play. They're they plenty motivated, no doubt about it. Right, right. Well, we definitely appreciate you giving uh, giving us a bit of your time. Guys, check out um, all of Clemson's broadcasts. You know, don't listen to ESPN. Go listen to the Clemson Sports Network over there. Um, I know you have a basketball show coming up, so uh, g- good luck with that, man. And uh, I'm looking to have you on. You know, I picked Clemson for the national championship on the podcast, so I will be reaching out after after that trip to Miami because I have Clemson this weekend I have Clemson over whoever they face so I'm hoping to have you back on as the 2020 national champions I that would be fine with me I, uh anytime <laughs> that you need me, uh please uh, please reach out so uh sure. always going to spread a little gospel of the Clemson Tigers though go Tigers there you go but guys you guys know where to follow us we'll be back later this week with another episode but for right now we're out <laughs>